look great. You're doing good. You are fabulous. Yes, that's right. Welcome to the podcast for moms by this mama, keeping it raw, real, and unfiltered every Thursday. Let's get into Christian Mom Uncensored. Hi, y'all. So this week, I want to talk about some simple ways um, you can do some things at home as a mama. I feel like everything nowadays has like something you can buy or something to make your life easier. But for those of us who want to save money on things and would rather be able to spend money on experiences, which I'm really into right now, um, this is going to be a good podcast. I'll have like Instagram stuff to go with it. So like when you, after you've listened to the podcast, you've probably have seen the Instagram before you even seen the pot, listen to this episode, but I want to get into that. And I want to talk about some other stuff. So what I realized is that as a mom, um, my life and situation and circumstances are different from when I had Mia to even, you know, now that she'll be four to when I have Elliot. And what I mean by that is like when I had Mia, we lived in an apartment, my husband had a different job, and now we're doing, you know, now we're in a house, like our financial situation is different, our day-to-day life is different, but that doesn't mean that we have to spend all this money on kids stuff. I feel like if you're like me, whenever it's payday or whenever it's been like a hard week or whenever my kid does something really good, I grew up being able to get stuff. So I want my kids to be able to go buy a toy or have some fun. And I think that's fine on the occasion. Like it's, there's nothing wrong with buying your kids toys. Like, no, for sure. They're little, like let them enjoy themselves and all this stuff, but you don't always have to buy them toys as rewards. If that's what you do. Um, there's a lot of things you can do experience wise instead. And so for Mia, Mia really enjoys hanging out with her uncle Jordan, one of our best friends. Um, she also really enjoys just being out of the house. And I think because it's like a busy week, like our work weeks are busy, you know, Monday, Ethan's in the office Tuesday. Um, you know, we're all at home working. Mia goes to school. It's like usually after school, she's tired. Wednesday, I'm in the office, and then Thursday, Mia's back at school. Friday, Ethan's in the office, but Friday afternoons is when I tend to do something with the kids because it's like, woohoo, it's it's the weekend. Um, and I had said that I was going to start taking them to story time on Fridays. I changed it to Mondays, one, because the story time at our library, they have like a family story time, and then they have like a baby story time. And Mia's not really a baby. She's almost four. So like when Mia was two and Elliot was a newborn, it would have made sense to go to baby story time. But now that she's like a kid, story time is from birth to eight years old. So we're going to go to the Monday story time just because I feel like there's a better chance of other kids her age being mixed into that group. Um, We might check out the ones on Friday one day, but really this next month, all of April, feels busy because it's like Easter and I went back to work and all this other stuff. But I was thinking about how there are times I kind of wasted money on things when it comes to kids. You ever buy your kids something and they don't play with it or they play with it for a day or you use it once and you're like, I didn't need to do this. For instance, Mia had this potty training chart and it was a unicorn chart. It came with stickers. It came with a book. It was really cute. And when I bought it, I bought it months and months before she was actually potty trained. It ended up not being efficient for me 
the potty training chart. It ended up not being efficient. Now, the reason why was because you have to understand in my day-to-day life, it's really, really kind of busy. Like I'm multitask from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. You probably can relate. But what I mean by that is that I'm logged on to work and I have to answer calls from people who need my help in, in my job, like um, people I'm in charge of. Like I'm their instructor, so to speak. So I'm answering calls from them and I'm grading their work constantly. So I'm constantly trying to clear out the work that they are turning into me as well as be available to answer calls. So while that's going on, I have to make breakfast, set the kids up for activities, stop because somebody has a question, stop because somebody wants to call me, stop because there's a meeting and like do all of that. So what happens with the potty training chart is that yay, we're good, we went, we, we're going to go, and then somebody calls me. And it's like, it takes away the magical moment of, yay, you did this. Where, and even like we bought, I have bought um, a like daily kind of to-do list chore chart that has like get dressed, brush my teeth, make my bed. And it's great, but it literally is just sitting on my wall because we don't look at it and think, did I actually do these things? I could have saved myself. Now, these things didn't cost that much. Like, it's not like, oh my gosh, I bought a new Xbox or iPad and it's going to waste. It's no, like these things were probably $12, 12 to $24. It's not that big of a deal. But um, I could have just wrote on a notebook, left it on my desk with stickers and said, you know, me as potty chart. And then every time she went, we could go to my desk because that's where I'm going to have to take a call or do something for work. And she could have stuck it on there that way. So I feel like sometimes... There's a lot of products that are advertised for us mamas, and a lot of them are great ideas. I think super great ideas, but not necessary. And if you ever had a newborn, then you know, or if you've ever had two kids, you know, after having the first one, what things you are and are not going to need. For instance, a wipe warmer. Now, I know somebody probably lives by their wipe warmer. Because it makes your babies, you know, wipes, you know, warm. So it's not like a shock when it's cold. And it's like, okay, they're not going to be upset for that long if you use a wipe. And the wipes aren't necessarily frigid. They're not, they weren't in the freezer. They're not frigid. They're like room temperature. So as long as your house isn't freezing, yeah, it's a little cool, but they're not going to freeze from using a regular wipe. Two, um, I've seen people who are really cute and organized. And I think this really works with one baby. Like when you have your first baby, if you want to do this, go for it. But once you're running around with a toddler as well as a baby, things change. Um, They have like these cute little carts. And so the wipe warmers on there and their little changing pad, which having a diaper cart makes makes 100% more sense than having a changing table. I have a changing table. And I will say I used it for Mia. Again, a lot of these things you might use with your firstborn. But once you have other kids, if we're in the living room, for instance. So when we were were in our apartment and it was just Mia, yes, if she needed a diaper change, no big deal to pick her up, take her to her room and change her on the changing table. In the middle of the night, no, that didn't happen because she was sleeping in a bassinet and then eventually in the bed with us in our, our bedroom. But in the apartment, it's like one floor. It's not that big. It was fine. In our house, which isn't like a big house, it's still really inconvenient if we're in the basement or we're in the kitchen or we're in the living room to go upstairs because now I have to take 
not just Elliot upstairs to change his diaper. Let's say I was going to use the changing table for Elliot, take him upstairs to change his diaper. Now I had at the time a two-year-old who I can't leave downstairs. I'd have to carry her upstairs every time we needed to do a diaper change and newborns go a lot. And so having a changing table just did not make sense for me. Now, some people swear by them. I don't think it's necessary. And I think it's a space taker upper. We did have ours be like a changing table slash it had drawers and a hamper space for a hamper which was nice because yes we use that as Mia's hamper and I would get her dressed for bed or dressed for the day right there on her changing table in her room with all her clothes it worked well not in our apartment does not work well in our house um so unless like you have like a one floor house or you just don't have any other kids changing tables are kind of an extra cost and honestly you don't need them forever so like now we're at a point where yes Elliot's in diapers we have never used this changing table with him um we I at first I had his clothes in there and I would get him dressed on there when he was a baby but now I'm like getting him dressed in the bedroom in my bedroom in Mia's room I'm just grabbing his clothes out of my room and it's a little bit different so I definitely think um in terms of things I'm getting rid of that I haven't used in a long time, changing table is one of them. And it's like, it takes a, a lot of space. So something I did see was cute, which I just mentioned, was the changing. So you can either have like a nursing cart, a bottle cart, um, a diaper cart, or just have it be your baby cart, um, which is basically, it's like a little tiny cart. Like you can get them like at Target for 20 bucks probably. And you could put diapers in there. You could put wipes in there. You could put like three little outfits in there. If you're nursing, some nursing pads and whatever else you would need. Maybe your pump and like a little basket of snacks. And then whenever you are setting up to nurse or to pump, you can have this cart. And I think that could be helpful in the newborn you know, the first four months, really. <laughs> After that, I think once they start kind of wiggling and giggling and becoming more like babies and um, infants instead of like newborns, it's not helpful. I had a caddy, which is like my nursing caddy, um, kind of like a shower caddy, or you can get like a little basket. And in there, I did have snacks. I had nursing pads. I had um, my pump. I had diapers, wipes, um, bibs, um, burp cloths, pacifiers, all that kind of in there so that in like what I had, I always kept like two water bottles in there. So that way, if I was nursing somewhere, I could just grab it before I sat down um, or keep it where I normally, like I know in the night I'm going to be at, at in my bed, it would be next to my bed. During the day, it'd be next to the couch because that's probably where I'm going to be. And then it was also easy if um, I sat down and then I needed it, Ethan could just like go grab it and bring it to me. So those are helpful. Again, Elliot's still breastfeeding primarily. Not like, no, he mostly eats food, but I will say like he comfort nurses a lot. Um, and he'll nurse before naps and nurse before bed. I don't need all that stuff I needed in the beginning. Like you don't, I don't need a snack. I can grab a water. At this point, I could feed him and walk around like I'm an experienced mom at this point. But that does make life easier. Um, other things that you might not need. So this is going to be a little bit controversial. A bassinet. Bassinets are cute. And I will tell you, with Mia, we used ours for a long time. Um, 
and I loved it because it was really portable. We bought like a portable one, so it could be in the living room with me. It could be like anywhere I wanted it to be. Um, and bassinets in general are typically kind of portable. So why don't why do I say you don't need a bassinet? Because here, here's the two reasons I'll say it. One, there are inserts for the crib that are small that you can use as if it were a bassinet. So if your kid is going to be a crib sleeper, you can start them there. There's no reason for them to start in a bassinet unless you absolutely want one. If you're, especially because it's kind of recommended that kids stay in your bedroom with you for a while, at least the first six months, I think, maybe up to a year. My kids have always been in the bedroom with me. They never left. Um, but, well, Mia's left now, but you know, she's almost four. So like it's been this many years and now she's finally leaving the bed. But, um, so your your crib's going to be in your bedroom anyway, you can just get an insert and not have to worry about having a bassinet. Now I will say I used mine a lot. I did, but with Mia, with Elliot, I've used it two times. It's still sitting in my room and it's a really nice one. This one was a little more expensive. It attaches to the bed. It can like, um, zip up and be like individual or it can like, you can low, you can like raise it or lower it. So it's level with the bed because I figured I knew with Elliot, I was going to be a breastfeeder like I was with Mia and I figured it'd be easier to roll over and take him out of the bassinet. No, it just made sense for him to sleep with me. Um, and he did. Now, here's another thing that I'll say is worth it. And it's a little expensive and it doesn't, not everyone gets one, is a Docatot or a Snuggle Me. I don't know why this turned into, hey, moms, this is what you should buy if you have a newborn or whatever, but this is what it turned into. So the Docatot is basically, and the Snuggle Me are very similar. They're these kind of like big pillows with a divot inside of them. Um, and they're like loungers. Your kid can kind of lay in them. You can change diapers in them. Um, they can sleep in them. And I bought a snuggle me over a docatot. Now, okay, so with docatots, they're both kind of expensive. They're both ranging. So snuggle me's are ranging like at a hundred bucks. Docatots can be like one twenty to one sixty, uh, even like two hundred, depending on which one you get. And you're like two hundred dollars for a pillow with a divot. That's what I said. That's why I went with the lower, the cheaper one. But actually, the docatots kind of last longer in terms of length. Um, they're a little bit longer, and you can buy the extended ones so that they're toddler sized. So if your kid really enjoys them, which a lot of babies do, um, they are comfortable to like. When they're little, little, you can just kind of sit it next to you on the bed while you're kind of propped up in the baby's asleep, or you can kind of put it in the crib instead of having a bassinet. And so um, they're super portable. When Elliot was born, he was in his snuggle me a lot. And the reason why I got a snuggle me was I liked the, it was like forest green. I liked that color and I was really into that color at that time. And so like his um, first baby snuggle, snuggle, like, um, swaddle was like a forest green color and I had like navy blue I was like really into like navy blue and forest green at the time and so I, I didn't like the doc that docatots had like designs on them I wanted like something solid and neutral 
Um, so I got that. And I will say right now, he still hops in his snuggle me whenever he needs a diaper change. If I say, let me change your butt, he'll like lay down in his snuggle me. And I can still kind of, he's too long for him to sleep in it, but he'll lay down and I can change his diaper in it. So that is a purchase that I recommend. And I like because it's a hundred bucks and it's going to last a long time, has multiple uses, much better than a bassinet you'll use or maybe not use. So I could keep going, but I'm not going to keep going because I'll do a whole YouTube video of it and it'll be fun. Um, but there's just things you don't need to buy as a parent that you feel like you should buy. And so I just want to remind you not to feel peer pressured by other parents who do this or that. I bought a pack and play because my kids, well, Mia at the time was going to my grandma's and stuff. She rarely used it there and she never uses it here. I have one. I thought Elliot might sleep in them. I don't love pack and plays. I know some people like swear by them. I think if Elliot had been like um, a baby born in like April and we were going to be outside a lot, then I probably would have had my pack and play outside a lot for him to kind of lay in while we're hanging out. But he was an October baby, so we were home for the winter. So Mia was a summer baby. So and so by the time she was born, I felt like it was too hot to be out a lot of the time. But we did go to like the pumpkin patch that year and stuff. Um, this is all pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. So anyway, parenthood's weird. And I don't know about all these things that we have to buy. I think one of the biggest challenges I'm facing as a parent is making friends with other parents and making me a friend. Um, and it's hard because I was in a place where I had made some mom friends. I'm kind of in that place again, but kind of restarting. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to connect with people who are Mia's age that she could see every other week and have fun with and things like that. We are able to go into her school to drop her off for the first time this week. And so she told me like her best friend's name. I'll be on the lookout for this little girl and, help, and this little girl's mom. And um, that way, if like when we go to pick her up, maybe we can like set up a play day or like let's meet and go to the park or let's go do something where we can kind of sit down and chat and I think the tricky thing is like when kids start having play dates is um like if you go to the person's house obviously I'm staying I'm not leaving but it's like the person you're hanging out with isn't your friend right so like in mom groups for instance the relationships build organically because you're a mom you're here talking about mom stuff and you kind of are relating to each other and so from there you say let's hang out and our kids can play because now you're looking forward to hanging out with this other adult and you're going to be able to like chat about mom life and things like that and that's super helpful when you are making like when your kids make friends you're not the parent's friend yet. Like you may or may not have the similar interest, may or may not have a similar birth story or parenting style or whatever. And that doesn't necessarily matter. Like your kids can still be friends, but I'm afraid it's just going to be awkward. So I guess I'll just like make small talk. And so I'm going to think of like small talk questions to ask like, oh, how long have you lived in the area? Oh, do you really like the school? Oh, is so-and-so on any activities? Oh, what do you guys do? Like, I feel like if I have all those types of questions kind of filled up, then like our conversation will kind of flow and I'll be like, yeah, oh, um, and I'll be like, Mia's really into Barbies right now. Is that what she's into? And she'll be like, oh no, she's into dress up. Mia's also into dress up. And I'm like, we'll just talk about that. Cause I started talking to this one mom in Lyme 
and I, I'm vibing. I like her. I think we could, like, potentially, like, have a play date, and that would be cool, but she, like, I don't know. I just don't know. So, anyway, it's hard, and now I feel bad because Mia, when she was, like, two had friends, and now she's four and doesn't, and it's really because of the pandemic, and I know that she can see her friends at school, but she only goes to school two times a week. I would like her to have a third day of the week where she's hanging out with kids. So I'm looking for that for her. And um, for Elliot as well, who has never really been around other babies, he is, he needs it because he's can, he can be kind of mean where he'll like push and stuff. And so I have this whole challenge ahead of me. So something I find interesting and challenging is sibling dynamics. And... I think the reason why I feel like right now they're interesting and challenging to me is that I am the oldest out of all of my siblings, but I'm also the furthest distanced from them. So it was like my mom had me, four years later had my brother, six years later had my other brother, you know, I think it's like six or seven years later, and then like nine years later had my sister. So I remember taking care of my sister, but we were never in the same phase for us to kind of hang out. And so I feel like I look at families where certain people, even if they have like little sisters, are really close, but I'm not as close to my sister as I'd like to be. And so as I'm thinking about family dynamics and how like, okay, I'm married and have babies, she's in college, it's a, it's we're at an age where we could go do things together now as adults that, you know, we couldn't do when it was like she was a kid and I was in high school, um, but it is hard to kind of build a fin- foundation of, like, friendship around your siblings. Because, like, not not to say they're not my friends, but they're not. Like, I don't, like, when I think about friends, I think, like, I talk to you weekly. I know what's going on in your life, and I don't. And so now I kind of feel the pressure as the oldest to start bringing us together, especially since, you know, I'm at the house. My brothers are still at the house, and my sister's away at school. Um and so we're going to the Bridgerton Ball, I'm me and my sister and her friend and my best friend and my husband, and my best friend's mom. And it's going to be a really fun time because I haven't done something like with my sister in a long time. So I'm kind of really excited. And then if you know me, I love girly, I love the girly stuff. Like, let me get dressed up. And I love Bridgerton. So to go to the ball is going to be so awesome. I really I wonder who's going to be named the diamond of the season. I know for sure it's not going to be me because these things don't happen to me. Um, As much as I want to be a princess, obviously I'm not. I am a normal mom and I'm just going to go to the Bridgerton Ball and live my best life. And um, it'll be a lot of fun. And I will get some cool souvenirs and just pretend that I'm in the 1800s and Bridgerton world. And it'll be amazing. I am really good at finding events and things to do. And so if you're, cause my mom's always like, you always have to find something to do. Um, there is a princess train. There's a train that's about an hour from where we live and they do like Christmas train rides, Halloween train rides, breakfast train rides. It like rides through the country, not like the country, the United States, like the country, like the rural areas. And it's really pretty. And so it's a really pretty train ride to take in the fall, but in the summer, they do a princess one. And so I'm signing me up for her birthday. There's a new kitty spa that opened up. Um, not in our town, but in the town we are probably going to move to when we buy our um, 
our house in a couple years and so I'm going to take her there for her birthday and so there's creative fun things you can do with your kids just go on Eventbrite go on Groupon and just type in your your city and activities and um especially on Eventbrite you'll be able to kind of see like what's coming up Facebook's another great place to see events um if you're ever like I don't want to know what to do I've done the zoo I've done the park I've done everything in this town like I'm sure there's something coming for you to do that is fun um at the time we were going to Disney there was Disney on ice near us we did not go because I had no time like the weekends leading up to Disney were all filled with preparing for Disney and I didn't feel like spending money on Disney and ice when we were about to go like see them at, at like the castle and stuff like that Speaking of Disney, I highly recommend Cinderella's Royal Table. It got mixed. It gets mixed reviews. So if you are, if you ask me, I thought the food was really good. Um, it was expensive for what we had, but it's Disney, so I expected it. Um, next year when we go for my thirtieth birthday, um, I'm going. I want to go to be our guest, and I'll let you know how the food is there. But honestly, if you're going to eat in the castle. You're going for the experience of eating in the castle. I mean, yes, a five-star meal would be nice, like made by Gordon Ramsay, but it's not. I still thought the food was really good. Um, if you looked at everyone's plates, everyone ate everything. My best friend doesn't eat mashed potatoes, and she ate those. So that's telling you something. Let me just tell you all that my life feels really chaotic right now, and I feel like a complete and total freaking mess. Um, and I think it's just the nature of the day and also kind of the need for change in my life and order and structure. Um, but do you ever have days where you like have like a good day? Like it's a fine day. Maybe not everything goes right, right? Your kid still spills the Cheerios, you know, an egg still drops on the floor, but you got dressed and you felt decent in your clothes. Your hair maybe isn't your favorite style or isn't done like to the max, but you feel decent, right? And you go through the day and things go okay. Well, I've had the opposite of that kind of day where I, um, for the past really, like, as you guys know, for months I've been struggling with my body image. Actually, for years, pretty much my whole entire life. Um, but there was a brief period, an extended period, where I felt good about myself. And now I'm back to feeling like garbage. Um, but I'm taking steps to feel better. But anyway, so I was having a day where Mia's sick. So she is coughing and she's sneezing and Ethan's at work and I'm trying to keep Elliot from drinking Mia's water bottle and eating Mia's food but inevitably he he gets a hold of it so I'm like great here have a vitamin c lollipop and a boob milk and like let's just pray you don't get sick and then I have 95 things going on at work but I can't get a minute to breathe. I was on the help phone with the help desk for my computer for an hour and a half. So I spent that time like cooking breakfast and starting my day slow. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this stress me out. I know I'm going to be backed up work-wise, but that's okay. I'll use this time to like cook breakfast and really just start my day. So I did that. Sorry if you hear elevator music. It's like a really long ad on YouTube. That's like 10 minutes long because Mia was watching YouTube. Um, and so that goes on. And then I, so I listened to my devotional, did all of that. And I, um, 
went through my day, Elliot ended up spilling all of the eggs out of the egg garden. So we're out of eggs. And like when we grocery shopped, like this was supposed to be our groceries for the next two weeks. We don't intend to buy groceries again for two weeks. And so I was frustrated. Like, and I don't feel like going to the store. I know some people go to the grocery store. I Instacart. And so now I'm like, I don't want to Instacart just eggs. And I don't want to buy things that we don't necessarily need. I'm trying to be like financially responsible and not just like frivolously spend. And so then I have a million things going on at work. Well, as soon as I do log on, neither of the kids want to eat breakfast. And Elliot's insane all day. Like, there's he's a boy so he um if you don't think there's a difference between boys and girls you are so wrong um but he's a boy so he technically he is normally like wild but he was just extra and so like trying to get anything done was really impossible um and so I'm going through all of this and um Ethan's not here and I texted him and I said what am I supposed to do right now for stress relief right? Like, let's talk about what do we do for stress relief when I could work out, right? But every time I go to do so, I have kids at my feet. I have to stop every 10 minutes. You ever do a workout and like, it's good, right? Like you've worked out and you've worked out hard, right? But for me, the start and stop of like, let's say I'm going to do insanity, for instance, because we still have insanity DVDs from back when I was in college. Um, Ethan bought them and he used to do them and stuff like that. So anyway, obviously we haven't done that in a long time, but let's say I was going to go ahead and do insanity. So I need like 35 to 45 minutes to complete a disc, complete day a day of insanity and honestly if I could find time every single day to do insanity I think my life would change a little bit and um, it would be good for my mental health so I think I'm going to try to find some time to do that today but anyway um, when Ethan gets home so it's God meet me where I'm at and so um, I was like well listen I can't go for a run or exercise right I can't help myself feel better by like purchasing clothes that make me feel good. So I'm not wearing clothes that I don't feel good in. I can't, um, at least financially, it doesn't make sense to do that right now. I have to wait a little bit to like buy these outfits. Um, I know first world problems. I, um, can't really go to the store or go get my nails done or do all these other things because the way the schedule plays. And I don't know if you guys do this, but so Easter's coming up and I want to, and I'm supposed to meet some of the people that I'm in charge of in a couple weeks. So I don't want to get my hair done quite yet because I want to be fresh when I meet everybody and look authoritative, not like authoritative, but you know, I am a younger looking person and I know that some of the people that I'm in charge of are older than me. So I want to be like put together and well polished. So in the meantime, right now I'm going to look really unpolished so that right before I do this thing, I look good. So my nails aren't done right now. My hair isn't done right now. My outfits don't feel, I don't feel good in them right now. And then I was crying yesterday and I was like, I looked at Ethan and I said, I don't understand how moms get up at 5 a.m. and work out because I can get up at 5 a.m. and I still can't work out. Um, it would require Ethan to take over watching Elliot. And then <sighs> we've tried this before, but the, if Ethan gets up at 5 a.m., by the end of the day, he's going to be really cranky because he's tired. And I know it sounds like I'm talking about a kid, but like he's a grown up man. And let's be honest, men are sometimes like grown children. I don't want to deal with his attitude at the end of the day. Like if I, if you get up at five and I work out and I shower, 
I still need you to watch the kids while I cook dinner real quick. And I don't need you to be, I don't know, it's this whole long thing. And so I was just feeling completely, and honestly still am, like frustrated with the my timeline, my time schedule. And I, I told him I'm so conflicted and so confused. I'm so torn between body positivity. And then he was like, what, and body hate? And I was like, well, yeah, in a way, it's like, I'm listening to Mia Cobb. I'm hoping she's okay. She's okay. Um, sorry. It's like you're torn between like, I love myself, so I'm going to eat well and take care of myself. And I was going to get on here and tell you guys that I had an epiphany that in order um, to look good, you have to do good for yourself and for your body. And not just to look good. In order to feel good, you have to like do good things for yourself. Like you need to exercise. You need to eat well. Um, and all this other stuff. And... I'm sorry. I'm just like so overwhelmed (laughs) and I, it gets really hard because I told him, I was like, I see moms who are working out and listen, if you're a beach body coach, great. I was going to be one for a minute. I'm not there yet. And I think there's a really good chance that I would sign under my previous beach body, like mentor. I don't know what you call them. Like, I don't know, trainer or whatever. I've been inside of beach body. And I think that you can, I think any type of fitness, I think as long as you are moving your body and eating well, then you will achieve results. I know that they might not be drastic, but, and for some people it moves quicker than others. I don't think you necessarily need to do a specific program from a specific site, if you want to go into the gym and work out, or if you want to do fitness classes three times a week, or if you want to do like insanity, which is a great program. I love insanity. Um, um, and I think that'll move, but my biggest problem that I'm having is that there isn't a lot of time. And so here I am, and this is where, this is why I made this podcast. The other day I was like, you know, I'm quitting this podcast. Nobody wants to listen to me struggle through life. What do I have to say? I went through this whole emotional breakdown. And honestly, when the devil is afoot, you can kind of feel like you start kind of doubting yourself. So just always like, before you get drastic, before you get drastic and dramatic, you need to get down and pray and keep moving on. And so I was talking to Ian, he was like, no, 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 babe, I love you because you're real. You know what? You're a mom. Yeah, in college, you were a size two. That was college. You were 18, 19 years old. You're now 29 years old going on 30. Um, things change. You've had two kids. So realistically speaking, you can't change the fact that some things are going to get bigger and never get smaller. Like, you know, I finally got boobs gall. I didn't have any before kids and <laughs> like some other things. And so I was really feeling like I want to be able to meet us all where we're at and God meets us where we're at. And so where I'm at right now is I'm climbing myself out of like a depression hole. Um, And I thought it was really interesting that when I finally had a chance to talk to Ethan, he said, I think you're depressed. And I don't think it's like, it's because a lot of things are out of your control. It's not like, um, I don't think I have like clinical depression. I think that it's like situational depression, if that makes sense. You know, like when something really sad happens, you lose a friend or a family member or, um, 
you can become depressed, right? So it's not that I all of a sudden have a hormonal imbalance or something. It's more like I feel so out of control with my life that it's causing these feelings. Um, and so I've been really struggling with fight the power, like, you know, like love yourself, be yourself, be free. And then also, but I know I would feel better if, and then also my schedule is heavy. Like my, my plate is heavy and I don't know how much I can take off of it. Like I could quit the podcast and start working out. That's not going to do y'all good, any good or me. I need this podcast in my life. And so I was really struggling and, um, it was one of those days where I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I guess you just keep pressing on. As I kind of move into this different space um, and trying to climb my way out of winter is what I'm going to call it. I really feel like I'm covered in snow and I'm trying to like shake it off of me. Um, y'all know I don't like the winter and Ethan's like literally we go through this every winter. And I'm like, listen, I could take vitamin D or we could move to Florida or California or somewhere where it isn't as cold. And I mean, like, I want to specifically move south where it's warm. But um, I talked a little bit before about how I'm not sure that's going to happen. But then I think it's going to happen, just not on my timeline. I think it'll be down the line. But something I kind of had an epiphany of was that, like, progress is painful. Um, progress hurts. Progress isn't comfortable. It isn't easy. Um, when you're in your own routine of like, or whenever you're evolving into becoming who you're supposed to be or moving on to your next level, next chapter in life, progress can feel painful. Um, you might hear me in the background singing, which is kind of funny as I talk about this like serious subject, but it is, um, losing old friends, isolating, I I was listening to something yesterday and it was kind of like God reaffirming something for me was like, um, it was talking about isolation. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might be a mom sitting in a rocking chair, nursing a baby with no sleep and feeling completely lonely, right? Motherhood is isolating. Um, as much and as beautiful as it is, I, I had this, um, vision that like motherhood is like walking through the loudest, busiest street of your life with a lot of hazards going on, but you're completely alone. Like it's really a weird, funny situation where you're always busy, always doing, but still have time to feel lonely and tired and things. But, um, progress. Oh, anyway, the isolation thing, then progress. So God sometimes has to isolate you so that you can kind of leave the influence of others, right? Whenever you need to let go of somebody's attitude, somebody's negative impact, someone's opinion, or even just move forward in your life to the point where you're not relying on other people, but you're relying on God, you get kind of isolated. And in motherhood, you kind of get isolated when you have a new baby. You can't go out like you used to. You can't just go to dinner on a whim. You can't just go grab happy hour, grab drinks or coffee with friends. You're busy. Um, And it's so that you can develop as a mom and develop into motherhood. And I feel like in life, a lot of times when we're kind of going through an evolutionary change, whether that be a change in our financial circumstances, a change in us moving in and doing our purpose, we're going to go from a period or place where um, maybe you're surrounded by people you don't need to be surrounded with, and you're going to go through a period of isolation. 
And so as you go through this period of isolation, it's painful, right? Progress is painful. If you've ever done a really hard workout or even if you just started working out, you know it's not easy. It's not fun. Eventually, like no pain, no gain. Eventually, you kind of start to like it. I, you know, like feel the burn. I love feeling sore after a workout because it makes me feel like I've done something. Um, but in terms of um, just growth and progress and making changes in your life, it's it's not easy to let go. We'll do a workout song in one minute, babe. No, I will do it by myself. Okay, give me a minute, please. Um, in terms of progress, <laughs> in terms of progress, Mia, give me five minutes. We'll do a workout. So this is an instance where Mia is trying to interrupting me, wanting to exercise. But let me tell you that she will not let me finish any workout once we started. And by the time we do start it, Elliot will be awake because that's the story of my life. But um, progress hurts is what I'm going to say. Leave it at that because now I have to go mother. So I am back. <laughs> um, Mia ended up doing... There's okay, so if you ever want to do something cute with your kids, or if it's raining and you can't get outside, because typically my, me and my kids will do an afternoon walk either at lunchtime or at the end of the day, depending on like what the rain prediction is for the day. Um, but if it is rainy or if it's cold and you can't get outside, if you Google kids workout or family workout on you, if you Google. If you search um, kids workout or family workout on YouTube, there's a cute there's cute little family exercise videos. In fact, I want to do one because I feel like my family and I, we could totally do this. Um, at least me and Mia could do it. Realistically, the guy, the boys, I don't know. But if me and Mia could at least do a mommy-daughter workout. Um, and they're really cute. There's like 15-minute ones, 20-minute ones, 30-minute ones, 5-minute um, ones. And that's really helpful. So just if you want something to do. So I had to turn one of those on for Mia. Um, but... Anyway, I was saying that progress is painful, and I just wanted to highlight that if, you know, sometimes you might feel like everything's sort of falling apart, or not even just that, just like life is painful for a reason, or even like doing the new good habits hurt, um, you know, caterpillars and the isolation thing, caterpillars don't go into a cocoon with 50 people, right? Cat like, you know how there's a beehive, like all the bees live in the hive? That's not how caterpillars work. Caterpillars, they make their own cocoon and they isolate, right? They eat as much as they can. So think of it as in you're taking in the new healthy information that you need, whether that be from therapy, whether that be from reading the Bible and having some revelations about your life, whether that be from having a mentor or talking with your mom or even like just going inward and doing the work or reading um reading up on some different types of books and you know you start to develop right and, and to progress internally or mentally um, or even physically if you're working out into this new person you don't do that with a bunch of people right like so my thoughts and desires and things that I want to do in life you know I'm, I'm looking to make some really big changes in my life and I'm talking about not just like on the career wise like yes that is one of the areas I'm praying for to do a really big change in um but also just like in my relationship life with my husband in our financial life um in terms of growth in my um community I want to develop some things and create some more positive spaces because where I live it's just like completely crazy with the mom groups I'm trying to make um, a safe space and if you're not going to be space safe you're going to get booted out <laughs> like I don't have time for the drama um and I'm kind of like 
But when you're doing those things, you don't do it with a bunch of people, right? You do it with yourself. You do it with God and you get isolated. And so you spend your time whenever you're, you know, let's say you want to learn how to cook really well. So you read a bunch of cookbooks and you practice, right? You don't read a bunch of cookbooks with somebody. You don't practice cooking with somebody. I guess you could, but for the most part, you're learning how to crochet. You're not crocheting with people. You're crocheting at home watching a YouTube. Or if you're um, exercising, right? You're trying to get into, you know, a better, healthier routine, healthier routine. You're not doing that with 55 other people unless you're showing up to a workout class, but still you had to get yourself to that class. Like nobody took you to that class. You, you take in all this information from the experts or from whatever you're getting your information from. And then after you eat all of that information up, you isolate, you sit with it, you resonate with it, you learn from it, you grow from it. And so you wrap yourself up in this information until you're ready to emerge as a butterfly. And it's a slow, painful process to go from a caterpillar to completely grow wings. If you've ever grown a human, you know that it's a slow, beautiful, painful process. Pregnancy isn't comfortable. Like there's lots, lots of joyous movement moments, but I remember my, my belly stretching and being really itchy. I remember feeling all of the pressure all the time, like always having to pee and not being able to sleep. And, you know, even just like limbs feel different. Like, I don't know how to describe it, if you've ever been pregnant, you might know what I'm talking about. Um, the sciatic nerve pain, like there's all this stuff. And then boom, you know. So anyway, um, so I was just wanted to share that. And we're going to switch gears now because I want to talk about life and talk about my life because that's a lot of what this podcast is. So if you hear some noise, I have a fan on. Um, I'm in my bedroom. It is um, around 7 o'clock p.m. I'm completely exhausted. Like, I'm talking like my body is tired. Why? I did nothing out of the ordinary. I went into work. My one day I had to go in this week. Um, I didn't even have to stay the whole day. I just had to clean my old desk. And let me tell you, it was... <laughs> I So when we left the building in 2020, I left with my laptop. I was a couple... Um, I was maybe like a month or two pregnant. I was probably like two or three months pregnant. Um, and I told my manager cause I knew that COVID was going around and I was like, well, you know, trying to figure out if there's anything I could do to protect myself and the baby Elliot at the time. Anyway. So when I got to my desk, I had like a, I used to at my desk, I was going in every day. I kept a can of soup for an emergency. If I never had time to pack lunch or left my wallet and needed something to eat. So I left a can of soup at my desk. I left a mug at my desk from my college and I left, this is, this is the stuff that's like, mm, could get kind of gross after sitting for a while. Of course, I left pens and papers and paper clips and notes and notebooks and things like that, like office type supplies. But I also had, um, like a lot of motivational stuff on my desk. Like <laughs> It's super motivational over there, as you can imagine. It's like, motivational Jesus and coffee stickers and all these other types of stuff. And um, I had a packet of oatmeal I kept at my desk too because I figured if I ever was hungry again, didn't have my wallet on me or left lunch or didn't like, have time to make breakfast, if I had oatmeal and I had my mug, I could easily make... And I had two water bottles I kept at my desk. I could easily make some oatmeal in the microwave and eat that. So I had like all of that. Anyway... So this is a government building. I'm not going to say which agency. Um, in case you didn't know like what I did, I work for the government doing whatever I do. And um, I 
came back to this desk. And let me tell you, it's not the, the cleanest building. There's always been a problem with mice in the building. For as long as I have been moved to that building, there's always been a mouse problem. And they said they did numerous things about it, but they didn't. And so while we were at home, I was just imagining the, way the mice were going crazy. And I kept my desk relatively clean. Now, I'm not like the most pristine organized person like I did have, but I was actually pretty organized. When I got to my desk, all my papers were in organ like binders or on folders and like different like, you know, office organizing type stuff. Like I didn't have like some people's desks were a mess, y'all. No shade, just like y'all know who you are. Um, don't know if you listen to the podcast, but if you do, what's up? Um, and so I, anyway, long story short the mice got into my desk. Now, there is mice droppings inside of my cabinets. The mice somehow got into my drawer. I locked everything when I left, and I thought, we thought we were coming back like in a week or two. We were gone for two years, so I didn't grab the oatmeal or the soup. I was like, what am I, I'm not going to clean out my desk, which I should have done, but the mice got in, and they ate the oatmeal, guys, and they left poop, and so anyway... I was at my desk squealing and screaming. I was wearing gloves, luckily, and I had, like, sanitizing wipes and cleaning wipes and different stuff. And um, I didn't have to, like, clean the poop. I was just expected to throw everything out because the way our whole building's moving around because we're all going to be teleworking for most of the week. Um, And so since we're only required to go into the office one week, some jobs do this. It's called hoteling where... um, It's completely annoying, but I get the term. If you think of it at a hotel, you usually stay for a short period of time. So the concept is there's um, open seating. And for right now, we still have cubicles in the new building we're moving to. I heard that we don't, but right now there's a bunch of open cubicles um, in in my area. And you just pick one and sit at it for the day. And then you um, go home, take your laptop with you and go home. So you're not having a space that's like yours to decorate or to keep things. Um, you just bring everything with you and take everything with you at home. And so, um, anyway, so we had to clean out our desks and it was just a mess. And so I don't know, I don't think I'm physically exhausted from that. Cause I was literally just throwing papers away. Um, and then just, I took home very few minimal items, my college coffee cup and I think two organizers, because I was like, mm, this is nice. Left everything else with sticky notes saying this is trash, and then I went home. But it was really hard. And I realized, like, so today my brother stopped by to bring me some macaroni and cheese. Like, every so often, like maybe once every other week or once every two weeks, my mom will make something and either make too much of it or... um just being like sweet will also make my family dinner so she'll do that if she's making enchiladas she knows I love enchiladas she'll make me some or if she's making crab cakes like whatever she's making something and um she lives about 23 minutes from me and um actually moving into a new beautiful brand new house a new build in September pending so I'm gonna say like December you know how builds usually take longer um and she'll still be about 23 minutes from me so that's nice and so my brother had an interview up in my side of town and so he had brought me food and so I was just outside you know talking to my brother I still had work to do and we were just kind of chatting for a minute and it was nice because one I don't see him often um um he's my um 
little brother, my first, but the oldest of the, my younger siblings. So it goes me, Brendan, Joshua, and Sierra. Those are my siblings. And so he's Bren. He's Brendan, the second born. And so we were just chatting for a minute and it was nice. It was like a beat. And, um, I didn't expect us to just have like a pleasant conversation in the afternoon. And I, you know, had other things to do. Like the kids were asleep. Um, I could have been doing some other things for work, but I had worked my butt off at work. Um, the past few days. And so I was like, I'm going to take these 10 minutes. I never take my breaks. And I'm going to talk to my brother. It's having that moment and pause to connect was nice. And what I realized was that in life, we, and this is probably an obvious statement, go from task to task, from place to place, from duty to duty, from job to job, without breathing and connecting with one another, with one another. And I realized that in this new season that I'm in, where my husband goes into the office three times a week, I go into the office one time a week. Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm really glad I decided to go in on Wednesday. This week I had to go in on Tuesday, and it was the day he was home. It's good that we're both home two days of the week, because Monday, for instance, Ethan had two hours of overtime, mandatory overtime. So he didn't get off of work until 6.45. He wasn't home till 7.30. Um, so by the time he had gotten home, taken a shower, I had done, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, entertainment, baths, everything with the kids, taking care of a sick child. Mia's been sick all week. We're praying for her to get better. Um, and had had a running list of things I needed to talk to him about. And, but because he was busy at work, he didn't have time to like call and like sit down and talk with me. Or when he did call, I was dealing with a meltdown and couldn't talk. And then here comes Tuesday and now I'm in the building and he's at home with the kids alone trying to get work done and, um, realizing that it's kind of hard. <laughs> and, um, we still had the rest of the week to figure out there was me as parent teacher conference. Um, I was going to go on a coffee date, which got pushed back. I had podcast things to do and, um, like things to do to prepare myself for next week where I'm meeting some other people and doing some businessy type stuff. And so I'm a little bit stuffy. I think it's the weather change. Um, which I, I have something to say about that in a minute, but it just made me realize that we were like two ships in the night, right? Passing in the night. Like we had no time to like say, Hey, how are you? I love you. It was, Hey, this is what I did. This is what I need to get done. This is what's going on tomorrow. Good night. Bye. And then, and so it just becomes like, there's so much power in the pause and the pause is so important, whether it be to when your kid is asking you something we're telling you something. Don't go, uh-huh, oh yeah, that's cool, and keep looking at your phone. Put your phone down. And I'm very conscious of this. Now, there's times where I'm like, listen, I have paid, giving you my undivided attention all day. I'm going to sit here on TikTok for five minutes. I have times like that, not going to lie. But a lot of the time, at least I, I'm intentional with when my kids speak with me. When my kids, when my kids want something from me, when I can stop and Monday was a case where typically no matter what, everything else can wait. Monday, Mia was sick. I was like, you lay down and rest. I'm going to work. And that's what I did. And, um, anyway, there's power in the pause, but anyway, this weather is changing and something weird has happened to me where, um, for like three days, my eyes would not stop watering. Like, I'm not talking about, so I guess, I don't know if your guys' eyes water. I feel like it's kind of an, 
not as common allergy symptom, but common. My mom's eyes water. I've noticed that throughout my life. Like if she has allergies, her eyes water, but not like all day, every day. So last week, it was like the last weekend, last weekend to last weekend, Friday through like Sunday, my eyes just started watering and wouldn't stop. And I mean like nonstop. And the weather had gotten cooler. And so we were, I was talking to Ethan about how it could be like, is it like something going on with our cat? And so I'm like, no, we just vacuumed. Um, the the nice, sweet, awesome lady, Miss Anna, came and cleaned our house. And um, so I was like, well, our house is freshly cleaned. Um, and the cleaning products, she uses all of our stuff. So it's like, mm, I, I know she didn't use something different. Um, my sheets, I washed them. They were like fresh. It's not like I'm like laying on dirty sheets or something. I don't know if that would make my eyes water. And I'm like, did Elliot, do I have like pink? My eyes weren't pink or, or red or anything. They were just watering and and they were kind of itchy. So I figured it was allergies. And so I was going insane, got some eye drops, put them in and then my eyes would burn. And I've never had allergies in my life. You all like never have had an allergy to anything in my whole entire life. I am blessed that I am allergic to nothing. I might be sensitive to some things, but like, I'm not allergic to anything. And I I don't know if I'm sensitive to anything. I'd have to like find out by like a doctor or something, or I think 23andMe will tell you or some, some other tests will tell you. So anyway, um, I was like, mom, am I aging? And she's like, no, it's probably just allergies. Take some Zyrtec every morning. So I bought some Zyrtec. Now I keep Claritin in my house for Ethan. Ethan does have seasonal allergies. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm so stuffy. Mia has been sick. And I don't, I don't know if I'm getting sick or if it's the <clears throat> weather change. It was cold yesterday. Now it's really warm and rainy. So I don't know. But um, so anyway took these allergy meds for three days and I meant like I was taking allergy meds putting in eye drops taking Benadryl to go to sleep and then finally it stopped but when I put the eye drops in they, it burned and I was like do I have pink eye I don't have pink eye by the way <laughs> I was like do I have pink eye do I and then, then I was reading that like that your eyes like your can dry out like your hands can like you never know when it's winter and if you don't lotion your hands and you put lotion on it might be like there might be like little cracks so it hurts or it might be like maybe this happens to your elbow my husband has really dry elbows I'm always like baby you should lotion your elbows just looking out for you um and anyway and so um I heard that could happen so I was trying to put the eye drops in because I was like my eyes are, it's like I'm literally crying all day anyway long story short it went away I don't know what it was it was the weirdest thing it's never happened to me before if it happens again I have been taking allergy medicine um every morning since and so I kind of am like should I keep taking it as a preventative measure or do I even need to be taking it? Anyway, so it's a weird adult thing. Sorry to bore you with my long allergies story. But I just, if you have allergies, like, let me know. Because if this is a thing for you. Because I, it's never been a thing for me in my 29 years of life. My goodness. It's... I'm sorry, y'all. It is 7.51 and I cannot keep my eyes open. And you know why? Because my dearest son, Elliot is going through a phase and it, I don't you know how I've probably mentioned this before I'm sure I have like newborns from like one like from like birth to like nine well pretty much like a year I don't know if it ever ends um 
they go through these phases where, especially those first four months, where they won't sleep well at all, right? You have to like kind of teach baby the difference between night and day. It takes a minute for them to adjust. Because if you think about it, during the day, you're walking around and that kind of puts them to sleep. And then at night, you're still, so then they wake up. And so then when they're born, they don't understand. They have to go flip-flop and you have to like teach them like, okay, no, 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 this is like night. And then anyway, but anyway, so... Elliot would go through periods where, first of all, he was colicky, so he would scream bloody murder for three hours every day, and it was, the, I don't know how I survived that, but he would, and it was so hard. I got through it. We're past it, but um, he would go through periods where he wouldn't sleep well. Like, let's say he has two or three night feedings, but he, like, eats, goes right back to sleep. So there would be times where, you know, I would, when he was first born, I would set a timer whenever I would go to sleep. So he would wake up and I would feed him and then I would have an alarm set for like two and a half hours or three hours. I think I had it set for three hours and I was like, well, if he hasn't eaten in three hours, I need to wake up and make sure he's okay and like feed him and stuff like that. Because you know when they're little, you know, I believe I'm feeding on demand, but I was like, I will for sure not let him go longer than three hours without food, two and a half, three hours without food. Um, If he wants to eat nurse more often, fine. Every 20 minutes, every hour, I don't care. But I just want to make sure at least every three hours he's eating. So I would feed him and then I would set my alarm for three hours, two and a half, three hours. I forgot which one. It's probably still on my phone. I probably could check. And then I would set um, the stopwatch to go off. And so as soon as he was fed, like, you know, when you have newborns, you turn into like, you, you fall asleep quick. I don't like, I never had problems falling asleep when he was little, have problems falling asleep now. But so then I would like turn on um, the stopwatch and I would go to sleep. And then when he would wake up, I would look at the stopwatch to see how long it had been. Because before I was like, okay, it's 1159. I'm going to close my eyes. And then I would try to remember and that wasn't working. So doing the stopwatch helps me keep track of like how long he's actually slept and I, or how long actually I was keeping on track of how long he slept slash I slept. So I would know, um, okay, he slept for an hour and now he's up or he slept for two hours and 45 minutes. Now he's up or he slept for four hours. And like, anyway, as time went on, I would stop setting that alarm to wake me up because I figured once we got into routine, he would do it. So anyway, babies go through this phase where they sleep really good. They start to sleep good. And I'm talking like newborn stage for me, three hours of sleep straight was a miracle. Like uh, three hours straight. That's wow, it's like I slept the whole freaking night. And so like there'd be times I would wake up and I'd be like, it's been two and a half hours. He hasn't woken up yet. And I would lay back down and then he'd be like, it's been four hours. And then I realized like, wow, last night was a great night's sleep. Like I got some good stretches. And then like the next week, it would be every 30 minutes he was awake. Don't know what I was trying to relate this to completely. <laughs> forgot but anyway um it's just this a weird it's just it's it doesn't last forever right so like everything that is hard doesn't last forever and if you just remember if you are a new mama and you have a newborn and you're thinking this is hell it doesn't last forever it is the sweetest time it is the most exhausting time it is also a time where it's kind of a blur for me because I was so tired but I don't know. I couldn't, you can't do it for long, which is why the newborn stage is only like four months because that period alone is 
insane. And the fact that women have to go into work to work eight weeks postpartum, 12 weeks postpartum is an atrocity. Complete atrocity. Unless it is your choice. Like, unless it is like, no, I need to do this and I'm putting this baby on a schedule. I know some people who are really good at like putting a baby on a schedule. I am an intuitive, feely type person. Therefore, my children live an intuitive, feely type life. The only type of schedule they can have is like a day to day schedule. But like when they're little and newborns, we're really just figuring it out. Um, well, I say that, but I mean, there's still like a loose schedule. Like, I would still, you know, like every three hours you're eating. And then once they get older, it would be like we wake up at this time and then we do this. Like now, Elliot and Mia, they wake up between 7.45 and 8. They're eating breakfast around 8.15, getting dressed around 8.45. Like we do have a schedule now. But I'm saying like, I don't know. I feel like some people like get those babies on schedule really good. And I just really failed at that. Um... I was thinking about that newborn phase. Oh, I just wanted to let you know. So just like the newborn phase doesn't last forever. It's beautiful. It's sweet. It is hard. Like everything in life doesn't last forever. Sometimes when the world feels like it's falling apart, it feels like, am I ever going to be out of this pain or this misery or whatever? Nothing lasts forever. Um, and so even me being like in a funk, I keep like, I and I the other night I was so mad and I was talking to Ethan about it and I was like, I just want to be out of it. Um, and I remember like summer is coming as soon as I start moving my body and it's not just like exercise is going to solve all of my problems. I do believe exercise movement, getting a break, getting fresh air helps. That doesn't mean that I don't have stressful times. I just have a place to release it. And so, you know, there's only so much you can carry before your bag is full, before you can't fit anything else in there. The purse straps are going to break. Unless you relieve it somehow by taking some things out of it, by exhaling. I don't know these analogies I'm doing tonight. I'm half asleep. But anyway, so (laughs) that was a whole bunch of um, weird metaphors. And I'm not really sure what I just said. That is how tired I am. Before I go, I want to say that my memory has been slipping. And I mean like. In these past few days, I've been so tired. I'm not remember, you know, newborn tired. Like there's nothing like postpartum newborn tired. Like I put my phone in the fridge and left it tired. I've been doing that kind of stuff. Like today I lost, my mom brought us dinner. She brought a little container of sweet potatoes. Couldn't find them. I lost them. And I was really mad about it. Ethan found them. And I was like, why can't I remember where my headphones are or where the sweet potatoes are? Like, I'm literally sitting things down and three seconds later not knowing what's going on. And the reason is because my dearest little child has a tooth coming in at the bottom. It's not quite poking through yet, but it's about to be. And I feel like that's one of the most uncomfortable stages for a baby. And so he is waking up and like, crying he never wakes up and cries crying trying to nurse until go back to sleep and it's like oh my gosh (sighs) this is this is one of the reasons why I'm not sure I can have another one right now I'm already so tired I can't imagine being more tired I cannot imagine having another child 
like a newborn, like a newborn right now, um, which is, Mia was just an easier, I won't say she was an easier baby, she was just different, she was the first, there wasn't someone else to take care of, so when she was asleep, I could be asleep, but um, that nap, when the baby naps, is a joke, I, I would do it sometimes, um, but, you know, dishes have to get done, clothes have to get washed, and a lot of that you can do when the baby's awake, too. Um, once you start baby wearing, your life has changed. If you do never, if you have a baby and you haven't tried baby wearing and you're like, I wish I could hold you but have arms, wear your baby. I wore Elliot for months, which is probably part of the problem because I wore him like constantly, like everywhere, doing everything. He was in the baby wrap while I was working. I would be standing up, kind of bouncing when I was doing dishes, when I was in the backyard playing with Mia. Like, he was everywhere, and he was just right there. And it was perfect, but I don't know. He's, like, clingy, but he's also a boy. And boys and girls, I know, I will say that I have noticed a difference between my boy and my girl. I'll say that, and that even our relationships. But anyway, so I am really tired, you guys, and so... I'm going to say good night or have a great day on this episode. I'm going to bed. I cannot stay awake any longer. I have been dealing with a sick child and no sleep teething child for the past 48 hours. And it has been a war zone. And right now, Ethan has taken the kids to the basement so I can lay down. So I thought I'd finish the podcast. So at least I'm not rushing to do that. Anyway, I'm going to read you guys the devotional. And you're going to have a great day. Oh, before we devote ourselves, because I want to close with the devotional. Two things I have to say. So I was scrolling, right, like I do at night. And I saw two posts. The first post I saw was um, a woman from, she was um, of Latin descent. I'm trying to figure out the the appropriate way to say this. Um, And so she was talking about how she said how the system okay she was like how am I ever supposed to get out of poverty the system is made so I always stay poor the system is made so you always stay poor and so naturally myself goes hmm this is gonna be a good video and so my heart was actually breaking for this girl um she was saying that she grew up and her parents came to America. So she's first generation. Right. And she had, she said, I've been working since I was 16 years old at 16 years old. She had her first job with that first job. She helped pay her parents' mortgage. She then went on to go to college to be the first of her family to get a bachelor's degree. Right. Like a lot of us, I I was one of the first get a bachelor's degree. I, I actually wasn't the first. I was just one of like the few. Anyway, so got your bachelor's degree, got her first bachelor's degree, not able to make any money right now has student loans and she paid her way through school halfway by paying it on her own and then taking out student loans. So now she has a job, but, and she lives in an apartment and she, says she says like I have this degree and I have nothing to show for it I am paying this apartment but for this apartment I can barely make ends meet I I've been working since I was 16 I helped pay my my parents mortgage I'm 32 years old and she was in nursing school and so she goes I don't know if you guys have seen this video and then she's like 
I'm now working on my second college degree since my first college degree didn't work. And I literally, so now she wasn't in nursing school. I don't know what she did before. Now she's in nursing school or she was. And she's like, I have to stop because I literally have no more money. So I will always be poor. And she was like, how is it like, as millennials, we all know that a college degree does not mean success. And I think that, I just want to make this comment, when it comes to social media, right, if you are like me, if you follow me, hopefully you feel good about yourself because my life is a mess, right? If you listen to this podcast, you guys know my life is a mess. I am a normal human being, right? I am not like, not yet, part of the 1%. I'm part of the big percent. I don't know what the percent is, but it's like a big, vast percentage number. And, um, I am, I can relate to the fact that I am 29 years old. I'm not quite 32, but I'm basically 32. I'll be there in a minute. I went to college and got a degree. I am not working in that field, which was communications. So putting out this podcast is part of it. Um, but again, I didn't need to get a degree for that. I'm paying student loans for it. Um, and the, the difference, the only difference is that like, just, there's just like a few minor differences, but anyway, um, and I'm thinking to myself, I also have nothing to show for it. I mean, I have husbands and kids and husbands. <laughs> this is not brother husbands, y'all. I have a husband and kids. No, no shade if you have a brother husband. That's your, live your, Jesus is the judge. I am not the jury. I'm just me. And so I was, <laughs> I was just looking at her and I was thinking, it is so many of us. Cause my best, some of my best friends are in the exact same position where, they're almost 30 years old, either live at home or just moved out. And they're not living on their own in the apartment. They have roommates. And like, for instance, Ethan is technically my roommate. Like we can, we can afford our home because we have an income together. And not just that. I mean, yes, a lot of it is because of that. Like if I was by myself, I could afford it. It would just be very, very tight. And like, so I'm thankful it's not as tight. Um, and so Anyway, there's this whole idea that today's society, we are so influenced by these influencers. Yes, I know. I pretend I'm an influencer, but I'm really an influencer because I'm not someone of influence. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to degrade myself. I'm just trying to say like, I'm just your average girl, your average mom. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just, I'm one of y'all. I'm one of y'all. Um, and we look and we think like... I am supposed to be at this point in my life. I am supposed to be married. I am supposed to have kids. I am supposed to own a home. I am supposed to make X amount of dollars. I am supposed to live in this kind of neighborhood. I am supposed to, whatever the, I'm, this, the, I'm supposed to, so you have, whatever your family or whatever, whatever expectation society has for you. I should have had a baby by now. It's too late. Or I should have been married by now. I should have been graduated from college by now. Whatever your thing is, right? We get so influenced by what we're supposed to be at. When in reality, a lot of us are in a similar boat where we went to school, we have loans, and we don't have much to show for it, right? Except for debt and trying to figure out the debt. And but my heart was breaking for this girl. And for a lot of us um, in particular who have, she's been working since she was 16, 
And to be 32 years old and not even in a place and not saying that 32 is like a monumental like number of I'm just saying that once you hit your 30s, you start to have this mindset of like where you're supposed to be, right? Like I feel like in your 20s, everyone's kind of a mess. Everyone's kind of rolling around. Half of us get married and have kids. Half of us are still, you know, drunk at 2 p.m. on Tuesday. Half of us have, you know, have not a serious relationship. Half of us are, you know, like you're just figuring it out. But once you're in your 30s, that number three zero kind of, and for me, like being one number away from that, it kind of makes you go, hmm. So, you know, in 30 years, I'll be 60. So what am I doing between now and 60? Because I need to have my life together. So at 60, I'm not hustling and grinding. I'm chilling and you know, you know, vibing. And so anyway, I just felt for her because I feel like she's saying the system, you know, like there is a misnomer. It's not a misnomer, but I I think I talked about Kim Kardashian, either this, I don't remember which episode and what she said, like get up and work. Just because you work hard and have dreams doesn't mean they just magically fall into place. I do believe like grit, work hard, keep grinding, you'll get there, but the journey isn't easy. And I believe like we all have a plan and a purpose, as you all know, but sometimes that plan is to fail at the plan you thought you were supposed to do and to find another plan. And that failure is hard. And not to say that this woman has failed. This woman has gotten a bachelor's degree. She's worked in taking care of her parents. She's getting her second degree for nursing. She hasn't failed at all. She's just living in America that just happens to be expensive. And so she's like, I can't even find a job to pay all this other stuff. So anyway, the system is completely broken. And I do believe that if you're born into, I think that a lot of times where you fall on the financial line is based off of where you're born. If you are born wealthy, you're more likely to do well. If you're born middle class, you're more likely to be middle class. And if you were born poor, you're more likely to stay poor. And hard work doesn't always equal a movement up. And so it's like a sad look at the system and how like it does affect a lot of us, especially our mental health when you think about like the expectations or the way you thought life was supposed to feel. To, to pan out because we were lied to when we were 18 saying you go to college you'll do this well we go to college we got debt and what what so that was the first thing I saw the second thing I saw was a similar post where uh oh it was like it was kind of funny but it wasn't funny it was like I think I screenshotted it hold on um, it was like, I wear $15 jeans so I can have a 300, so I can have $300 worth of food in my fridge. I wear $10 shirts so I can keep that $1,700 a month apartment over my kid's head. My life is not based on what everybody else is doing. My life is based on making sure my family is fed. Okay. And so it's like, I wear, you know, I don't wear expensive pants so that I can have food. I, you know, I, I, I basically live within your means. And so the comments on this post were hilarious. They were like, who are you trying to prove something to? Like you're the Joneses, like you're, you are paying, you're taking care of yourself and your family by doing what we all do. And I was like, "Mm." anyway, I just thought, I was like, yeah, that's why I I shop at Fashion Nova and she and y'all, because I mean, in other places, like remember I said a couple episodes, maybe like 10 episodes ago that I was going to start buying more higher end products so that they last longer and just have like a minimalistic wardrobe. 
I am still trying to do that, but I keep getting distracted by other things. Um, So anyway, I just wanted to remind you that where you are in your life is not a judgment on you. It's not because, I mean, like, yes, your choices led you here, right? I live where I live because me and my husband looked in this area. We had our kids because we decided to have our kids. Like, yes, a lot of, and that is why I'm tired. Like, I wouldn't be tired if I didn't have kids. I would be asleep a lot more. Um, but it's not a judgment. And sometimes society kind of makes you feel like if you're not big balling, like if you are not driving a Lambo or if you are not, I don't know, rocking some Gucci sunglasses, I don't know, Gucci, whatever, fanny packs are in, I don't know if they're called it that, like body bags. Oh no, not that. That sounds bad. Like, I don't know, like that you're not cool or like you you're not worth anything because you don't have you know a you know six bedroom seven bathroom house like no 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 most of us don't you may have one soon or in your future and if you work hard and I believe there's ways to do it and that's the whole point of this podcast not to get you a house but to just inspire motivate move you in the right direction you're doing okay like don't let social media distract you Move at your pace. This is your story. Society is a joke. Okay? On to today's devotional. Okay, so I read a devotional and then I was like, "Mm, not this one. And so here is the actual devotional for today. And it is read. It reads, what to remember when God is silent. Jesus cried out to God the Father at the epicenter of his work on earth. He had suffered immensely. He was hungry, humiliated, stripped, mocked, beaten, flogged, pierced, betrayed, and dying a very public and gory death on a cross. One of these scenarios alone was enough to send the least attentive parent running to the aid of their child. But Christ's communication with his heavenly Father was met with silence. In the midst of Jesus' most unbearable moments, the unthinkable happened. His heavenly father was silent. Why? God could not answer Christ's questions because of the sin Christ bore as he hung on that cross. Our sin that Christ bore created a barrier between him and God the Father. This was God's redemptive plan from the beginning. Christ demonstrated how to handle silence for all of us. He did not panic or abort his earthly mission. He resolved to finish the work of his heavenly father for my sake and yours too. When God is seemingly silent in our lives, we can rest on the truth of his word. God loves us. He is sovereign and has a plan. Although bad things happened and bad things do happen, God is good and his nature never changes. God may seem silent, but he speaks. So the prayer is, dear God, thank you, God, that you speak to us through your word in times where you seem silent. Help us to rest on the truth of your word in Jesus name. Amen. So then to have a reflection, how are you encouraged by the actions of Christ? And then if you're interested in reading up more about um, this particular um, devotional Matthew 27, specifically verse 46, but you can read all of Matthew 27 that kind of goes through. Um, and this is when, um, Jesus, you know, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that devotional I think is a good one. And it actually touched on what I was going to say about the first devotional I read and didn't get put on the podcast was that, um, 
Sometimes life feels like it's a mess. Sometimes you might feel distant from God or like God doesn't hear you, your prayers or, you know, God let you fall into this situation again or God is letting stress happen again. And just remember that or sometimes we feel like, God, I'm walking in what you told me to do and everything feels like it's falling apart. Remember two things. When you are doing God's plan, when you are walking in his truth, when you are living the life you're supposed to be, the enemy is going to attack that. So one, don't don't forget about that. And then two, just because God is silent or just because you're going through something that's hard or just because it feels like, oh my gosh, how am I back here again? Because that's been like how I've been feeling lately. Remember, God has a plan. And sometimes that silence is necessary, even if it seems kind of cruel. Have you ever had your child have a meltdown and you have done every gentle parenting trick in the book? You have um, asked them how do they feel. You've tried to distract them with a game and then talk about their breakdown moment. You've done all of these other things. You've tried to give them a hug. You've tried to, you tried to console them through this tantrum, yet they still are laying there screaming. Sometimes all you can do as a parent is to sit down. This happens with Mia a lot. Mia's really emotional where she will just need to cry. And then when she is done crying, she will come sit on my lap. She will give me a hug and she'll be ready to tell me what's bothering her. And like sometimes as a parent, you have to be silent. You have to let your kid do what they're doing. Um, I'm sure there's decisions in my life where my mom had to bite her tongue. Like, what are you really like when I first moved in with Ethan, we weren't married, um, and, you know, my parents would rather I be married and then move out. And, you know, I did things a little bit backwards. But anyway, um, there was a moment where she had to be silent. And there's going to be moments in our lives where as parents, we have to be silent. And just like God, some that silence is sometimes necessary for us to grow. I heard, um, and this, is, this doesn't necessarily have to do with the devotional, but um, learning to sit in silence and to sit with yourself is really important. It's something that uh, I'm trying to do. It's very rare that it's silent though at my house. Um, because I feel like that's when you can really connect with God and also really connect with yourself and really get comfortable with yourself on your own personal level. Um, to be comfortable enough to just sit, to just sit in silence. And so anyway, that was today's devotional. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, Easter is next week, so we'll be talking about that next week. Um, But just remember to spend some time in reflection um, as we go through this Easter season. And I just hope you all um, are safe and healthy and well. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.